Welcome to Trauma Talk. This program encourages you to do a mental assessment of any trauma you have experienced and help you become proactive in your own personal healing and thereby create a better world for you and your loved ones to live and thrive in. Now, here is the host of Trauma Talk, Ezrina Rose Scott. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to my radio show, Trauma Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today and every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. We are going to talk about something that doesn't get talked about very much, trauma. My name is Ezrina Rose Scott, and I'm a psychotherapist in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada. I have a private counseling practice, and my focus has mostly been on helping clients heal from trauma. I would like to begin with a quote from Jean-Paul Sartre. Freedom is what you do with what has been done to you. So, what would it take to be free from trauma? Over the course of my career, I have observed that trauma is overlooked, misunderstood, mistreated, and most of all, not talked about. So, for 13 weeks, I will be sharing with you my observations about trauma, what it is, causes of trauma, symptoms of trauma, how it shows up, how trauma affects our daily functioning, how we can heal from it, and how what happens in childhood affects our adulthood. This is really misunderstood. I will be sharing some of my observations and studies as well as interviewing some of my clients whom have the courage to share their personal stories. I inspire you to seek help to heal also. I will also be interviewing other professionals, such as an acupuncturist, a chiropractor, and a physiotherapist, whom also see the effects of trauma in the body. So, let's begin. The intention of this series on Trauma Talk will be to openly talk, talk about a topic that doesn't get talked about very much, hence the name Trauma Talk. Trauma is overlooked, often discounted, invalidated, ignored, misunderstood, and all sorts of things go along with trauma, which we're going to talk about a lot. When I first meet with a client, I screen for any traumatic incidents. I ask, have you experienced any trauma? The most common response is, define trauma. True, trauma is subjective. However, Most people are unaware of what it really is. When I further ask about their history, the trauma becomes evident. I am curious about this. Some people experience horrific trauma, yet seem to shrug it off while mentioning it. They actually are unaware of the full impact the experience has on them. I am not saying the trauma defines them. I am saying the trauma affects them. The experience itself is often suppressed or blocked, yet the effects of the unprocessed experience show up in symptoms. Symptoms which include cognitive functioning, emotional responses, physical ailments and behaviors, which I will go into in detail later. A huge misconception that people have is that they assume that if the incident happened long ago, and they are still coping, then they are fine. And what I am saying is that they could be better 
if they resolved any unprocessed traumatic incidents. What happened long ago, such as in childhood, could indeed affect us today, even years later. I remember this girl who told me when she was little, her dad used to put out cigarettes on her hands. I wondered out loud how that must have affected her. She quickly snapped at me and said that she didn't use that as an excuse in her life. She may or may not use it as an excuse. However, it has certainly helped shape her development and how she interacts with people. So, I'm going to talk about things that people won't typically talk about. Another purpose of this radio show is to raise awareness so that people can feel like there is help, there is hope, and there is healing. Many clients are amazed at how much better they feel after therapy. They weren't even aware how badly they were feeling until they felt better. They are thrilled when new possibilities start showing up in their life. It's like the more you process and resolve, the more space you have to be you and to create the life you truly want. It's like trauma blocks your potential. I have a client in her early 20s who came to see me, and in her first session, she kept crying, yet she didn't know why. She couldn't identify what was causing her so much sadness and grief, which was interfering with her work. In her second session, I happened to run her bars. That's an electromagnetic body process which clears points of view that keep us stuck. The bar is from access consciousness, which I'll talk more about later. In her third session, she came in, sat down, and said, I know what the issue is. She had that much more clarity. So throughout her sessions, she processed and cleared some pretty traumatic experiences, which seemed to make room for other stuff to show up. She received a $3 an hour raise at work. She entered into a healthy relationship. She started using better boundaries, and she improved her self-care. Things started showing up in her world that didn't seem possible before. She is creating a better future for herself. There really is help, and people really do heal. This series will offer a different perspective on trauma, so people may gain some insight into why they do what they do. After all, with greater awareness comes greater change. I will be sharing stories about trauma so that people can reflect on whether their current level of functioning has anything to do with trauma, and if so, what can be done to change that? I will also be giving examples of the techniques that I use to help my clients. Techniques affect people differently, and actually, clients like some methods better than others. I like to provide that choice. This show also aims to destigmatize trauma. What is traumatic to one person may not be traumatic to another. So when someone shares a traumatic story and some people judge or invalidate that person's experience, often because they don't understand, they need to talk about it. They say things like, oh, it wasn't that bad, or just let it go, or you're just being silly, or it's not a big deal, get over it. This can be very damaging, especially when said to children. What happens is the person learns to not talk about their experiences, and the trauma can then get stuck or suppressed, or never processed or resolved, which can in turn affect a person mentally, emotionally, physically, and physiologically. Trauma is subjective. The impact of trauma has to do with the way a person perceives information, the way the information gets stored in the brain and the body, 
and the meaning that we put to the trauma. For example, what we think the trauma says about us as a person. Several times I've worked with clients with a history of childhood sexual abuse, for example, and they often conclude that they are dirty or bad or it's their fault. This is not true. What happens is the child brings these beliefs into adulthood. So, I've used the word trauma many times so far. What is trauma? Trauma can be defined as a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Trauma is the effects of a perceived life-threatening event that interferes with leading a normal life. It's like the event, or rather the effects of the event, hang in time and space until it gets resolved. The effects of unresolved incidents accumulate and influence the way we function. An incident that overwhelms to the point of being incapable of coping, mentally, emotionally, physically, and or physiologically. So, are there any events in your life that meet these definitions? Is there any event that impacted you so deeply that you felt you never really recovered from? Let's take a look at some causes of trauma. These will all blend together, however, I am separating them into three categories, even though they will overlap. So, some causes of trauma. Psychological causes of trauma. Being ridiculed. Somehow this is common with teenagers. Uh, Being called names. Being bullied. Neglected. Some clients remember not having food for several days when they were young. That's neglect. Abandoned. I had this young man come to me and tell me how his mother left him and his little sister at a very young age in a trailer out in nowhere land for over a week and he worried about how to feed them. That's abandoned. Uncared for. Betrayed. Witnessing violence such as in war or street fights. I remember when I was a teenager, I had witnessed a guy kick another guy's head into the cement curb several times. That was very disturbing for me. Near-death experiences, such as drowning or gunfights. Being alone while scared. This happens a lot with children. Losing a loved one. Losing someone to suicide. Divorce. Being in relationship with a narcissist. (laughs) I get many clients who are in relationship with narcissists. This can be extremely difficult. Adultery. Loss of relationship. Being teased in childhood. I remember when I was a child, I would be called Carrot Top a lot for having red hair. This didn't actually bother me. I just thought adults were stupid because Carrot Tops are green. A child being forgotten somewhere can be psychologically impactful. I've had a few clients report being devastated when their parents forgot to pick them up from school. To an adult, this may seem not a big deal. But to some children, it can feel traumatic. Remember, children's mental and emotional systems are not fully developed, so they perceive and experience things differently than adults. Clients often tell me that when they were children and they shared an experience with an adult, they often got a response, don't be silly, or that is stupid, don't be ridiculous. There is no way that happened. This can cause psychological distress. Remember, Children experience things differently from adults. If you have reoccurring memories or pictures or flashbacks of an incident, 
these can be indications of psychological trauma. Now, here are some emotional causes of trauma. Being frightened or terrorized, losing a loved one, extreme fear, anger, grief, shock, disgust, sadness, guilt, panic. These can get stuck. If not fully processed, these can become very stuck and later triggered, which can show up as phobias, rageful outbursts, nonstop crying, anxiety, depression, irritability, feeling numb, and disconnect. Loud noises like thunder or parents yelling when you're a baby can leave a trauma imprint on a baby's nervous system. This can show up later in life as being easily startled. Now here are some physical causes of trauma. Abuse, sexual abuse, rape, invasive surgeries, some medical procedures, such as tonsillectomies, some dental procedures, being held down during medical procedures, which end up being very traumatic for some children, automobile accidents, natural disasters of fire, storms, floods, experiencing violence, stress of giving birth, stress on the mother and the child, extreme heat or extreme cold. I remember a client who had severe frostbite frostbite on her hands when she was a child. Her fingers were very distorted. She remembered this story well. Uh, Poisoning, severe illness, broken bones, bruising, and skin burns. If these are not fully processed, the impact can be stored in the cells of the body and the muscles and organs and bones will start to degenerate, causing disease and disorder. Physiologically speaking, one can develop adrenal fatigue, nervousness, internal inflammation, autoimmune disease, chronic fight-or-flight feeling, post-traumatic stress disorder, and anxiety disorders. So these are a few things that can cause trauma. Now, after the break, I'm going to mention some symptoms of trauma, things that show up that are clues that you may have unprocessed trauma. By the way, serious unprocessed trauma is diagnosed as post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. After the break, I'll go into some symptoms. So we're going to take a short break now. Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment visit Ezrina.ca for information about counseling and body healing services Ezrina is a master's therapeutic counselor registered with the Association of Cooperative Counseling Therapists of Canada she has 10 years of counseling experience she will work both in her office as well as via Skype or will travel to your area through her workshops You can even schedule a session online. These sessions are one hour or 90 minutes long. Visit Ezrina.ca. Again, that's Ezrina.ca. Ezrina Rose Scott conducts several workshops every year, and she can bring them to you wherever you are. Visit Ezrina.ca or call 250-212-5500. 
888-528-5596 for more information. Ezrina is an Access Consciousness Practitioner. Her popular workshops include Access Consciousness, The Bars, as well as workshops on money, body, and relationships. Ezrina's workshops can help you get unstuck and move forward in your life. Find out more or bring a friend along. Visit ezrina.ca for more information or call 250-212-5596. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Trauma Talk with Ezrina Rose Scott. To reach our program today, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, you can send it to Ezrina at Ezrina.ca. Now, let's return to Trauma Talk. everyone welcome back so I just finished talking about causes of trauma and now I'm going to go into some symptoms of trauma so you can take a mental assessment of if you have any of these and determine whether you have had any traumatic experiences so some of the symptoms that show up for people are flashbacks of an incident Uh, these are pictures that pop up in your mind when you aren't really thinking about the event It's like they intrude upon your thinking. Uh, Nightmares or night terrors or night sweats. When a trauma has not been simply acknowledged or resolved, our subconscious mind attempts to process it during our sleep. I remember this wonderful young boy who had a traumatic response to watching the movie Caroline. Yeah, some of those movies aren't appropriate for children, but we don't really know that until we see the effects of it sometimes. Uh, Insomnia is a symptom. That's difficulty falling and staying asleep. Uh, Sensitivity to noise and light. Uh, After I had been in a car accident, I had great difficulty with the sound of kitchen utensils dropping on my kitchen tile. It would just send like a shockwave through my body. It was very difficult for me. Uh, High irritability and spells of sudden anger. Uh, Mood swings. Tightness in chest when exposed to a stimulus, and sometimes when we're exposed to a stimulus, we don't even know what the stimulus is, we just know what's happening in our body, um, such as the symptom of anxiety or chest pain or something. Uh, A pounding heart in certain situations can indicate a trigger. Uh, Hypervigilance, so always being on guard. Uh, A heightened nervous system, always nervous or anxious or anticipating doom. Uh, High levels of anxiety or panic, uh, they are symptoms of unprocessed trauma. And what can happen 
is uh, really low self-worth, chronic pain, immobilizing helplessness, and reenactment behavior, which I'll explain later. Uh, Avoidance, you may not even know why you're avoiding something because the root cause has been suppressed. Uh, Very poor memory. Serious forgetfulness. It's like our uh, attention units are being used to keep, you know, some trauma at bay and we start forgetting things. Uh, Repetitive storytelling. We keep talking about the same old thing or we reenact something that resembles the incident that has not yet been resolved. Uh, This often isn't even conscious, but it can play out highly reactive to even mundane circumstances. So if the incident is small and your reaction is large, that indicates that there has been an accumulation of stress that got triggered. Uh, Diminished emotional responses. This can be a feeling of numbness or, on an extreme level, even catatonic, whereby you are unresponsive or immobile. Uh, Depression. This has similar symptoms to post-traumatic stress disorder, feeling really down, eating too much or too little, not sleeping well, uh, negative thoughts and feelings about yourself, uh, behaviors that harm you rather than help you. Um, Another symptom is not being able to focus very well. This often gets diagnosed as attention deficit disorder. When I have a client who reports being ADD, I definitely screen for trauma. Uh, Autoimmune disorders, Hashimoto's. This is when your immune system attacks your thyroid, causing it to underfunction. Graves' disease, the immune system causes an overactive thyroid, which usually results in an enlarged thyroid. Uh, Lupus is another autoimmune disorder. The immune system becomes overreactive and attacks normal, healthy tissue throughout the body. Alopecia, this is when your immune system attacks your hair follicles, causing hair loss. Uh, Very low physical energy. A sense of low worth, lack of memory, constant crying or no emotions, feeling disconnected from reality, a work absenteeism, addictions. So a substance addiction is food, drugs, alcohol. A process addiction is when you're addicted to exercise, sex, gambling, shopping, trichotillomania. That's when you pull your hair out. So These are some of the symptoms of trauma. These are clues that trauma may be affecting you. So, how does trauma affect our daily functioning? Well, we may not want to get out of bed and would rather sleep to avoid the world. We may not want to be around people and we isolate ourselves. We may not eat properly. We may attempt to cope by drinking too much or doing drugs to avoid the painful reality of what has happened. We may miss a lot of work. We may not be able to keep a job or friends because we may be so defensive and reactive. Trauma can affect us personally, socially, financially, intellectually, spiritually, and occupationally. So, I've shared some ways in which trauma shows up. These can be immediate results of a traumatic incident, or they can be results that show up years later. Most of my work involves clients processing past traumatic incidents, 
that had not been immediately processed. People typically show up in therapy when the symptoms interrupt their well-being and functionality. In other words, when the distress outweighs the coping. This often will include a series of incidents and can be rather complex. So I'm going to now switch gears and talk about what to do if you do come across someone who has recently been injured or traumatized because the goal is to discharge the incident as immediate as possible rather than let uh, trauma stress accumulate. So when you come upon an injured or traumatized person, the first thing to do is remain calm. If you panic, then the injured person can panic and this can get locked into the body's nervous system. However, when you remain calm, you foster an environment of safety which will allow the injured person to release and process some of the shock. Many years ago, while I was uh, driving, I came upon a horrible two-car head-on collision. The physical impact on the three bodies was dramatic, traumatic. I had never seen such a thing. I won't even share the details. It was that bad. One young man who showed up to help was quite frantic. He actually wasn't much help at all, so do remain calm if you can. Number two, keep the person still. If the environment is not safe, absolutely move the person to safety with as much ease as possible. If the environment is safe and the person is physically injured, it is imperative that you do not move the body. Moving the body could cause further damage or cause neck and spinal injury. Let the trained paramedics move the body when necessary. Number three, keep the person warm. When a person is injured, the body goes into shock, which can be life-threatening. What happens is the body doesn't get enough circulation. Therefore, the cells and organs in the body do not get enough blood, oxygen, or nutrients. With low blood flow, the body can get cold. So cover the person with blankets or jackets or towels or whatever you have. Number four, stay present with the person. This will foster a sense of safety and that the person has help and is not alone. This can help keep fear at bay. Hold the person's hand to reassure them. Number five, encourage the person to remain still. This is to prevent any further injury and panic. Sometimes in panic, a person can react and jump up and move frantically. This can cause more injury. Number six, if the person is unconscious, do not pour water on his or her face. This was done to me, and when I came to, I thought I was drowning. This compounded the injuries. Number seven, encourage the body, or the person rather, to allow his or her body to spontaneously recover. This is critical. The body has a natural ability to recover from shock and trauma, so it is very important to allow the body to do what it is meant to do. This may include shivering, twitching, moaning, trembling, shaking, crying. Reassure the person that their body is releasing the shock and that is a good thing. Do not tell the person not to feel what they are feeling. Simply be present and say as little as possible, providing as much emotional and physical comfort as possible. 
the body needs to discharge the event. The body knows what to do, so let it. Number eight, encourage a traumatized person to have a couple of days rest after an incident, even if they insist they are okay. This is a denial mechanism that is trying to protect the person from the reality of the situation. The mind and the body need to process whatever happened and recover from it. Rest is essential to healing. Number nine, when the person is ready, encourage them to talk about the incident. Perhaps even seek professional counseling, depending on the seriousness of the incident. Number 10, encourage the person to acknowledge what sensations they experience in the body. Number 11, remind the person that talking about the incident may activate the traumatic stress, which will be discharged bit by bit. Encourage them to allow this process. So I often use the word discharge. What does discharge mean? It means the body is processing and releasing the effects of an incident. It's like energy is holding the information stuck. So discharging is releasing the charge, the energy. And so then the stored information, such as distorted thoughts or fear, can be released. So what does discharging look like? Often in session, when clients are processing a traumatic incident, they may experience yawning. That's unconsciousness lifting. It often leads to a new awareness or a realization. Uh, Headaches and body pain. Uh, The body is releasing physically. Laughing. It represents the release of light embarrassment or fear. Crying is the releasing of grief and loss. A sweaty cold skin. Someone is releasing fear. A sweaty warm skin. Someone is releasing embarrassment. Violent body movements and or sudden jerks. A person is releasing anger or indignation. Shaking, twitching, quivering, trembling. These are signs of the body unlocking some form of trauma. I remember helping a teenager who connected with some suppressed anger. He wasn't aware that he actually felt angry about the topic we were processing. And when he acknowledged the anger and continued to process it, he experienced twitching in many different areas of his body. Uh, He was actually quite surprised by this. This is his body unlocking anger that was stuck. Then the session afterwards, he felt lighter, happier, and his father had reported that he seemed happier. So those are the benefits of processing. Get it out of our mind, out of our body. Often when I run body processes, the client's body visibly twitches and I can even feel bones move under my hands sometimes. It can be that dramatic. Um, So another form of discharge, a red rash or hives and itching. This represents the body eliminating toxins or some sort of uh, buildup in the body. I ran this allergic process on a client and a red rash showed up all over his body within the next two days. The toxins were being eliminated through skin. So, so far, I have described trauma. Now I'd like to begin by talking about an author who has a very interesting perspective on the human's response to the environment. When we experience trauma, 
we respond differently to the environment than had we not experienced trauma. Trauma affects the way we perceive others, ourselves, and the world. It also affects the way we respond and interact with others. Very often, clients tell me that they feel stuck or that they can't move forward or they just aren't themselves. They also often tell me that, oh yeah, I have had some trauma, but I got through that. I just don't know why I can't seem to get myself on track now. So Harvey Jackins wrote a book called The Human Side of Human Beings, The Theory of Reevaluation Counseling. His basic premise is, when we meet experiences of distress, such as trauma, either physically, pain, illness, sports injury, a physical fight, or mentally, being ridiculed or bullied, or emotionally, being frightened or terrorized or losing a loved one, then we hurt. Plain and simple, we hurt. Jacken says, while hurting, physically or emotionally, our flexible human intelligence stops functioning. This means we are not coping at our full capacity and that we cannot respond to any situation with total ease. It's like this quagmire of experiences takes up brain matter and it scrambles our ability to think clearly and respond accordingly, which in turn affects our emotional and behavioral responses. This is exactly what I see with trauma. It gets stored in the brain and the body and affects the way we are able to assess our environment and respond to new situations effectively. Jackins says, quote, The ability that is the essence of our humanness, our ability to see things as they are exactly, and to contrive new exact responses to all new situations, is slowed down or becomes inoperative. Really, our full cognitive capacities are compromised. We function less than we are truly capable of functioning. We we perceive events and people through a lens that ends up skewing the full truth of the matter. No wonder there is misinterpretation and miscommunication. Information is getting distorted. So, trauma causes impairment in human functioning, period. So we're going to stop for another short break. And after the break, I'm going to go into a little bit more of Harvey Jackson's theory and what we can do to process some of the trauma. What makes the most successful people tick? Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Visit Ezrina.ca for information about counseling and body healing services. Ezrina is a master's therapeutic counselor registered with the Association of Cooperative Counseling Therapists of Canada. She has 10 years of counseling experience. She will work both in her office as well as via Skype or will travel to your area through her workshops. You can even schedule a session online. These sessions are one hour or 90 minutes long. Visit Azrena.ca. 
Again, that's azrina.ca. Azrina Rose Scott conducts several workshops every year, and she can bring them to you wherever you are. Visit azrina.ca or call 250-212-5596 for more information. Azrina is an Access Consciousness Practitioner. Her popular workshops include Access Consciousness, The Bars, as well as workshops on money, body, and relationships. Azrina's workshops can help you get unstuck and move forward in your life. Find out more or bring a friend along. Visit azrina.ca for more information or call 250-212-5596. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Trauma Talk with Ezrina Rose Scott. To reach our program today, you may call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, you can send it to Ezrina at Ezrina.ca. Now, let's return to Trauma Talk. Welcome back, everyone. So, so far, I've been setting the foundation of what trauma is and what trauma looks like and uh, how it in, uh, impairs our human functioning. So, again, reviewing Harvey Jackin's theory um, about our flexible human intelligence. So, after trauma, our senses still perceive information. Visual information through our eyes, audible information from our ears and skull, taste information from our tongue, smell information from our nose, temperature information from our skin, balance information from our inner ears, and kinesthetic information from our internal organs and body. We continue to receive information from the environment through our senses, encode it in neural impulses in our brain, which then creates data that gets stored as memory. This information gets stored, and remember, if one doesn't fully recover from an incident, that is, fully resolve every aspect of it, then it will contain distorted information and an energetic charge. So, when new information is received, it gets filed in the memory storage after being compared with information already in the memory databank, that which we have already understood or rather think we have understood. We understand the new information based on the similarities to previously stored data, not by a concept itself. 
So what has been discovered is that new information that matches previously stored information also gets stored, and the information that doesn't match previously stored details often doesn't stick. We call this our filter. So basically, information that is not fully processed can be distorted and then misfiled in our brain's memory storage, which in turn can affect the way we respond, or rather react, to new situations. This, in and of itself, compromises what Harvey Jackins calls our flexible intelligence. In other words, our ability to perceive accurately and respond accordingly. So, you can imagine, if we experience trauma in childhood, this creates a particular lens for how we will continue to view others, view ourselves, and future experiences. The new information bounces off the previous information stored in our brain and body, and if anything is similar, a current benign experience may actually inadvertently become stored as traumatic also, because it can resemble a past experience that did leave a traumatic imprint, hence perpetuating a lineage of trauma responses. In this sense, trauma stress accumulates. Thousands of bits of information get stored up until the symptoms get our attention. And if you're not listening, your body will find a way to get your attention, often through pain, disease, and disorder. And unfortunately, often people will not seek help until the anxiety or distress outweighs the coping or payoff. For example, I had a client who came to me with anxiety issues. She happened to comment that when it rains, her anxiety gets worse. Interesting. Rain, in and of itself, does not cause anxiety. So, after some exploration and following the sequence of memories, we came to a memory in her youth whereby she had tried smoking marijuana. Turns out, the joint was laced with cocaine and she had a negative response, her first panic attack. She didn't know what was happening, and she didn't know what to do. So during this experience, it happened to be raining outside. So that stimulus, the rain, then became attached to the traumatic incident. This incident was not fully processed nor resolved, which means she simply put it on a mental shelf and forgot about it. The anxiety was a result of the unprocessed event. Throughout several years after, other incidents occurred, which also resulted in anxiety, which continued to increase. Anxiety is a byproduct of unprocessed incidents. Since the rain was part of the first experience, rain then developed an association to anxiety, which means when it rained, it triggered more anxiety. Interestingly, the client could identify the symptom of anxiety ever-present in her world, and even the awareness that the rain caused the anxiety, but what she was not consciously aware of was the original incident of smoking pot. It had been buried in her subconscious mind. And she didn't seek therapy until the anxiety became unmanageable. 
And when she came to me, there were so many bits of information attached to anxiety, it was harder to unwind. By then, it, it can be trickier to find the root issues because so many other incidents can get attached over time. Through the therapy process, the incident came up into her conscious awareness and then she was able to fully process and resolve the incident, whereby her anxiety lessened and rain no longer caused anxiety. So it was interesting because I've talked to her since and uh, yeah, she says that when it rains, she doesn't get anxious. And there are a few other incidents that we still have to clear that have been attached to anxiety. Um, but that's the interesting process that we that we go through when we're trying to find traumatic incidents to clear. So I would like to encourage anyone who has experienced trauma to consider therapy. There is help, there is hope, and there is healing. During later episodes of Trauma Talk, I will be inviting some of my clients to share their personal stories of healing, which will hopefully inspire you. So, relating this example back to Harvey Jackin's theory, the residual effects of the client smoking pot and having a panic attack later affected her ability to respond neutrally to people. She developed social anxiety to other incidents, and in this case, to rain. Her flexible intelligence was compromised. I would like to mention here that what is traumatic to one person isn't necessarily traumatic to another. Part of the reason for this is different degrees of resiliency. One's ability to recover quickly and spontaneously from events. Also, how much we have experienced and how much we left unprocessed and suppressed. So, each experience affects each person differently. This gets even more complex as some information remains in our conscious awareness, that which we can easily remember, and a lot more information is stored in our subconscious mind the mental storage that is not easily accessible. It's hidden from our awareness. So think of an iceberg. Above the water, we can see the tip of the iceberg. That is our conscious awareness, what we can see and what we are aware of. Below the water, however, is the larger part of the iceberg, which is our subconscious mind, which stores information we cannot see or rather are not aware of. Interestingly, the information in the subconscious mind is what drives us. So very important for us to bring the information from our subconscious mind up into our conscious mind. Dr. Frank Garbodi is the creator of Metapsychology, and he has a fascinating approach to this process, which I'll discuss in a later episode. So increasing our awareness or consciousness allows us to operate at greater capacity. We can respond with ease. We make decisions with ease. We cope with ease. We have joy and the ability to experience fun. We all are actually enormously intelligent and high functioning. Unless our capacities are compromised, then we struggle. Unprocessed and unresolved trauma damages our innate functionability. Jackins says 
that an adult who does function extraordinarily well has a very large capacity to think and to create responses to the environment continuously in new, precisely successful ways. This intelligence seems to be the essence of our humanness. That's a direct quote. The essence of what makes us human. I love that. He measures our intelligence based on our ability to function. Unprocessed trauma interferes with our ability to function and in turn, our intelligence. So, what would it take for more of us to function with our innate, unaltered intelligence? What gets in the way of you functioning at your highest potential? What could we do different or differently to heal trauma and to function better worldwide? I refer to my work as psychological CSI because I assess each client's symptoms and investigate the crime that created them. I have clients process the events as they remember them until the events have no charge, until there is a neutral response. I am basically undoing the effects of experiences so the symptoms disappear. I do not teach clients how to manage the symptoms. Symptoms such as anxiety, depression, suicide ideation, anger, addictions, grief, loss, disease, disorder. I use focused and effective methods that resolve the issue and in turn clear the symptoms. Resolving issues allows us to reconnect with our natural intelligence. So I'm going to uh, state another <clears throat> excuse me, quote from Jackins. Jackins observes that as humans, we innately have vast intelligence. We are zestful and have a zeal for life and living. We view problems as interesting challenges and we naturally enjoy affection between one another. Anything that occurs beyond this is a result of something gone wrong. What goes wrong? Or in other words, what gets created that negatively affects our level of functioning? We get hurt, traumatized, and our flexible intelligence stops functioning. Although our thinking ability can become suspended during trauma, our senses still receive information and unfortunately misfile it in our memory storage. Like the lady who smoked pot and had a panic attack, she was unable to respond to the environment in a calm, rational manner because of her fear response. Her thinking ability was compromised. Her senses were still receiving information, such as groups of people, noise, rain. Yet the information that her senses were collecting were misfiled. For example, concluding that rain causes anxiety. People are not safe. Remember, when our thinking ability is compromised, we can create distorted beliefs. Here is another example before closing. When my daughter was in elementary school, she came home very distraught because a librarian had accused her of having a book that she was certain she didn't have. Although my daughter told the librarian several times that she didn't have the book, the librarian pressed her to go home and look for the book. This is interesting. 
My daughter was sure she didn't have the book. So when the librarian told her to go look for it, my daughter, clear of mind, knew that the librarian didn't believe her and the message basically implied that my daughter was lying. Being accused of taking a book and lying about it was traumatic to my eight-year-old. She was crying and didn't want to return to school. We talked about a few different ways she could address the situation and she was so upset, her thinking ability was compromised. She said she never wanted to go back to school and she started thinking, what's the point of telling the truth if I won't be believed? I don't want to tell the truth if I'll be called a liar. I realized that these conclusions were not going to be good for my daughter. So I took her to school so I could speak to the librarian. My daughter told her again she did not have the book. And the librarian again told my daughter she just had to go home and look for the book and bring it back. I do know that some kids actually do have the books at home. But in this case, I believe my daughter. I asked the librarian if she was aware of the underlying message she was giving. I told her her words are, go home and find the book. Yet her underlying message is, I don't believe you. You must be mistaken, lying. Anyways, a couple of weeks later, I returned and spoke to the head librarian, and she said that the library did indeed have the book, and that while transitioning over to a new computer system, some of the books got misplaced. So, my daughter was telling the truth. To this day, she remembers that incident well, and as a bit traumatic. Anyways, I hope I've given you a lot to think about, about what trauma is, symptoms, causes, And I'll be inviting some guests to speak and share their personal stories about trauma and what they've done. So thank you for tuning in today and see you next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Thank you for listening to Trauma Talk with Ezrina Rose Scott. Be sure to tune in to the program again next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we speak again, make this week your best.